Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. How are we? How's this section doing? What about this section? Very good. What about this section? Church Online. Uh, They were really good, weren't they? Well, guys, it's so good to be with you all. My name is James, James Levy. I'm part of the team here. And I'm encouraged today. I'm really encouraged. I've just been over um, at St. Luke's, and, and I said it's great when a plan comes together. You know, when you've prepared a message, and actually the punch of today, I'm going to give you the headline now, is around comfort and being strengthened. And even in our worship here, this morning in our worship at St. Luke's, there is a theme that God wants to meet with each and every single one of us to strengthen us and encourage us in our faith. That's good news, isn't it? So are we ready? Yes, good. So we have been journeying through the book of Psalms over the past six weeks. Yes, six weeks in, a few more to go. And week one, Nick Drake gives a bit of an overview as to what to expect. There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. It's the longest book by numbers of chapters by none. By, by none. Um, 70 of them have been written by David. There's another 80 in there which have been written by other authors and those that we're not too sure about. And we've titled this series Soundtrack of the Soul. Soundtrack of the Soul. And actually what this does is when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to pray, actually the Psalms can be the words to do it for us. That actually whether we're in the highs or the lows, the Psalms can act as our very own playlist to encourage and to be open with God. And in reading the Psalms over the last few weeks, I've got to be honest with you. It has been exhausting, right? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, but it's an emotional roller coaster as well. Um, here's um, first slide up on the screen. These are just a few verses from like the first 20 chapters. Um, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. We see moments of God, you're so good. There is no one. There is nothing that could ever substitute for you. You're incredible. You're remarkable. And we love you. And you're like, yes, I'm there. I'm in. But in the same book of Psalms, we see the other side as well. Just again, just a few more verses. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. In this same book, there is a cry from helplessness. There is a cry from brokenness. There is pain put on the page. This is the same book where we've just been singing about how amazing God is. And if you zoom out on the book of Psalms, and maybe it's a bit unfair of me to say this, I've not met any of the people who've written them. You could say, guys, get a grip. Get a grip. Like, is it woohoo? Or is it, oh, it's so hard. Woohoo! Oh, it's so hard. Like, it is exhausting. And I've been on holiday recently, so it's always good to use an analogy from on holiday. It's like the sea. There are moments 
where the psalmist seems to be riding the waves. Or, or let's be honest, as, as British holidaymakers, we're probably bodyboarding the waves, right? Just me? Whee! Just me. Okay. You're all liars. No, I can't say that. Um, but there are also moments from riding the waves where you're caught up in the breakers, where the waves are hitting you from side to side, where the swell is trying to pull you further out, where you can't touch the floor and you're going, I don't like this. I don't know where I am. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And the Psalms model this perfectly, of riding the waves and of going through the breakers. And in our Psalm today, we're going to look at Psalm 86. If you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you just to have it out in front of you. Um, The good thing about that is if you get bored of me, you can just read the Psalm, the Word of God. Like That's the best thing you need, right? Um, So Psalm 86. And we see this riding the wave slash caught up in the breakers. And this Psalm is written by David, the commentators, the clever people, um, aren't entirely sure on the dating of it. But what they do highlight, and I love this, is there is a lack of like poetic style. The language is very simple. You see, some of the Psalms are like incredibly crafted, beautiful pieces of work. Whereas actually this Psalm, Psalm 86, that David writes, it's just an honest display with God. Here I am. This is what's going on. So I'm going to set the scene. Verse 1, hopefully it'll come up on the screen. The audio ahead of me, well done. And it says this, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. For I am poor and needy. This psalm starts in distress. There's a deep challenge going on on David's life. We're not entirely sure what it is. But in this opening exchange of seven verses, what we see is David actually presents seven requests to God. And I love this from David because so often when I begin to pray, I go, God, I need your help. I've got this child that won't sleep and I've got this essay that's due. And there's this person I work with, Tebo and Panza, who I find really hard. And Lord, help me. Where are you? Come on, give me a hand. And then I remember to my childhood and to my youth. Now, I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up attending youth groups. And I remember, hang on, I remember this. Now, some of you in the room are going, "Mm mm-hmm, I remember the teaspoon. And there are others of you in the room who are going, why is he holding a teaspoon? It's a valid point. But this teaspoon, not this one, any teaspoon, um, acts as a model to prayer. Nod if you know the model. There's a few people in there. Mary Mills, but there, thank you. Anyone else over here? Yeah, Ollie. He, he loves the teaspoon. Um, I actually have one of your teaspoons at my house. I'll bring it next week to South if you're there. Had it for years. Lovely teaspoon. Anyway, teaspoons, where are we? Psalm 86. Thank you. First letter, T. So we thank God first. We say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that because you're amazing and you're awesome. <laughs> it's true. And then we say, Sorry. And we say, sorry, because God, we know we mess up and we know we get things wrong and we bring it all to you. And then if our thanks were really good and then if we said sorry enough, then we can ask God. We can please, P for T-S, please. We can ask God for the things that we need in our life. But David, what I love about David is David doesn't care about the teaspoon in this moment. David just dives in. And what we actually see is in this exchange of verses, David then presents requests as to why God should answer his prayer. Take these examples. Um, Verse two, he says, I trust in you. Verse five, because you are good. Verse five again, because you are merciful. 
Come on, God, if you're all these things, you're gonna answer my prayer because I need you today. It's a great exchange that we see on the paper. Then the next part, verse 8 to 13, is a time of adoration. It says this, there is no one like you, O Lord, verse 8. You are great and do marvelous deeds, verse 10. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave, even amongst the challenge. He cannot help but to praise our awesome God. And then he finishes verse 14 to the end with another request. Grant your servant strength, verse 16. Give me a sign of your goodness, verse 17. So I think what this psalm demonstrates as we've been thinking about this soundtrack of the soul is an authentic faith, a real and a raw encounter where we can bring our moments of joy and our celebration. Yet also we can bring our moments of hurt where we can bring our frustrations to God because God is big enough to handle all of these things. As I said, I, I think what this psalm demonstrates so wonderfully is this analogy of the sea of riding the waves and being caught up in the breakers and I sort of mock the psalmist saying, come on guys, get a grip. But I think actually when I zoom out on my own life, I see this as well. And some of you will know, so this year I've started what they call ordination training. It's a, it's a Church of England term for becoming a vicar. I do a few days study. I do a few days working here. And I remember back in September last year that sort of as a family, it's like, God, we're all in now. <laughs> we're on this adventure to pursue you, to follow you. And let me tell you this, there have been moments this year where it has felt like I have been that close from heaven. It has been remarkable. And if you'd have spoke to me this time last year, I remember being really concerned about what's our finances going to look like. Yeah, I know God provides, but come on, what's it actually going to look like? And never have I been blessed financially like I have been this year, praise God. I remember um, one Tuesday staff meeting. It was a couple of days after Russia had invaded Ukraine and it's this incredible moment in the room. And I was on that bit of carpet there where Tebo is. It's a special bit of carpet in my life now. But I was on my knees, broken in prayer, like never before. The weight and the challenge. You know, these people in Ukraine whose families have been destroyed, whose homes have been decimated, who had lost loved ones. In that moment, I felt God just put something on my heart and I prayed like I had never prayed before. You know, I had tears bawling down my eyes. I was speaking in tongues like never before. And I, and I sort of reflected afterwards. I was like, wow, God. There's so much more of you that I've got to experience. So much more of you that you want to do in my life. There have been moments where I've been riding the wave. There have been moments where I've been that far from heaven. But let me tell you the truth. There have been moments I've been caught up in the breakers as well. And I'm going to tell you a little secret now. So you can't tell anyone, okay? Our little secret to us and everyone online. <laughs> and what you can't do with this information is use it against me tell college or tell the bishop, okay? Otherwise, I'm done. I find people quite hard work, okay? That's you, all of you. I find you quite hard work. Don't take it personally. It's everyone. Now, one part of my training this year is going away on quite a lot of residential weekends. What could possibly go wrong with 300 trainee vicars and a residential weekend, right? And, and I would try and take my bag to my room and 12 people would say, oh, hey, how you doing? Shut up, leave me alone. Just want to take my bag from here to here. <laughs> but I think actually there were moments 
in amongst this where I felt the enemy was trying to do something here. I remember I was sat in my room before everything had kicked off and I didn't really feel like I knew people. And I promise you, I literally did. And I'd like geared myself. I was like, oh, come on, James, you're going to say hi to some people. It doesn't matter. Everyone's on the same team. And I went off. I did a full lap of the cafeteria and just came back to my room. I was like, ooh. And actually, I think the enemy was trying to do something there. He was saying, trying to say, James, you're not good enough to be here. These people, they're far better. They're all connected. They're all friends, but not you. It's been tough. Caught up in the break because there's been moments with our family. Our little girl has been in hospital a number of times this year with breathing issues. You're like, come on, God, you can take it out of me, but don't you dare take it out of my family. It's hard, isn't it? There's a rawness of what can happen. And, and I think, I didn't want to get too deep because it's what? 10 past 11 on a Sunday morning. Um, or a different time if you're watching online. Hope you're having a great time. Um, there was one moment where I was about to go on retreat to Lee Abbey in North Devon, beautiful place, and then I was going on holiday, and I was so excited. I'd set my out of office. I'd literally skipped out of the office at St. Luke's, and I got into the car, and this is a key bit of information. I get into the driver's door, sit down, shut the door, nothing unusual yet, and then I hear, what is that? And I look behind me and have a look at this picture. This is my boot window. Just popped. I'd shut my driver's door and the boot window went popped. And I'm now like, come on, God. I'm going away tomorrow. I've got this residential. I've got a retreat. I'm going to meet with you. Why has my boot window just popped? Come on. So there have been moments this year of riding the waves and been caught up in the breakers. And just so I'm reading the room right, please tell me this isn't just me. Otherwise, I need some help. <laughs> a lot of help, yeah? This is, this is all of us, right? That actually, we have moments in our life of going, yes, God, you're amazing, you're awesome. But then also moments of going, this is hard. What am I going to do? How do we get through this? As we come back to our psalm, we have a psalm which acknowledges the challenges of life, but also the goodness of God. And I've been praying for us as a church over this message for the last few weeks. And I think if there's one thing, I can only do one thing, to be honest. There's one message for us today, and it's how can we grow a steadfast spirit? How do we develop a steadfast spirit? And what I mean by that is an inner character, an inner resolve that is resolute and unwavering. That when the storms of life come, because we know they're coming, we can stand strong in the middle, fixing our eyes on God and say, we know you're good. We know you're with us. And these storms around us have got nothing on us right now. How do we grow a steadfast spirit? And let's be honest. Like as a society at the moment, we're in a storm. It seems like a never-ending storm. We just thought we'd got through the COVID crisis. And then we've stepped into a financial crisis. You know, we've got a climate crisis like never before. We've got a mental health crisis. We've got a crisis of racial inequality that is breaking our world. Like, God, what's going on? What's going on? You're good, right? You're in control. So what do we do in these storms? Do we, do we just let it happen over us and go, it's going to be hard? Or do we know and believe that God has something better? That we can keep our eyes on him and we can push through the storms and say, yes, God, you're good. We know that you have more in store for us. This is not your will. We've got more in store. See, what storms can do is they can distract us 
from the character of God. You see, we know that God is all-loving. We know that God is all-powerful. We know that God is in control. We know that God's character is to liberate the oppressed. We know that God's character is to come alongside the broken, is to liberate, is to give sight to the blind, to comfort the poor and needy. This is our God. Storms distract us from the will of God as well. Instead of saying, God, what do you want of me in this season? We begin to ask the question, what do I need to do to get through? We can miss what God is doing. And what does David do? What does David do? David gives us an incredible example of how to weather the storm. And we see this in verse 11. And I want us just to hang on this verse. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. David, in the middle of the storm, said to God, let me just focus on you. Let nothing be separated. He wanted to live in God's promises. He wanted to know that he knew the the truths over his lives and he wanted nothing to distract him from the perfect love of the Father. David weathered the storms by fixing his eyes on God. Charles Spurgeon is a 19th century theologian. He's pretty much a big dog. He would have got first in all my essays without a problem. Um, And they reckon in his lifetime, he preached to 10 million people. In my opinion, that's a lot of people, right? No? Okay, fine. Well, I've got a quote that he said, so you might not enjoy it. It's quite a long quote, but I just want you to sit in this truth of what this is saying. I think there's such richness and such power in this. He says this, having taught me one way, give me one heart to walk. Too often I feel a heart and a heart, two natures contending, two principles struggling for sovereignty. Our minds are apt to be divided between a variety of objects, like trickling streamlets, which waste their force in a hundred runnels. Our great desire should be to have all our life floods poured into one channel and to have that channel directed towards the Lord alone. See, Spurgeon recognised the natural inclination of the human heart, which was distraction. Distraction. And actually what distraction does is it uses, it's quite a funny word I thought, where has it gone? Um, trickling, trickling streamlets. You know, I think of it like a, just a dripping tap that's been left on. Like eventually it will have some impact. But actually what does it look like if we put all our force into one channel and that is directed towards the Lord? You see, as as Christians, as believers, we've got a vision to be light for the city as a church. We're not called to trickle in to our workplaces. We're not called to trickle into our families, our communities, and go, yeah, maybe. We're actually we're called to flood with life and light and the hope of Jesus that lives in us so that they will know how good God is. It's as we put all our energy into the channel of the Lord, as our eyes are fixed on Him, we're going to see a city and a world changed. But our hearts are so often geared towards distraction. And you see, I could give you at this point, we sort of turn to how do we apply the message. I could give you, here's five steps to have an undivided heart. And this time next week, you'll probably be fine. Don't worry about it. But I think in truth, like as a church, we've got a responsibility to cheer you all on. 
Say, come on, you can do this. We're going to pray for you. We're going to give you resources. We say, come on, we got this. But there comes a moment where as individuals, we've got to take responsibility as well. So what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? So instead of giving you a few little bloggy answers and you'll all be fine, I give you some questions which you can go and chew on as you go away this week. And they're very simple. First question is this, who's first? In the pursuit of an undivided heart, who's first? Is it you or is it God? Do you ask, what do I want? Or do you ask, God, what do you want in this season? That's in every area of our life. It's a great question to ask. The second is, what's your diet? You know, week one, if just take your mind back. Nick Drake said, if you lose your input, you're going to lose your impact. And let's be honest, coming to church once a week, which can be quite a stretch, like once every other week sometimes feels like quite a stretch, is not enough to sustain a life which is undivided. There are six other days in the week of distraction. And actually, what's your dialect? Like how are we feeding on the Word of God every day? How are we spending time in worship and prayer, surrounded by people cheering us on, saying, you got this, you can do this. But also saying, here's something I think that, that isn't right and you need to work on it. What's your diet? And finally, what, what's taking up your attention? And let, you t- let me tell you this about me. I am someone who is easily distracted but has incredible focus. Past couple of weeks, we've been looking at buying a new car. And in any waking moment, auto trader, motor review websites, and then you should see my spreadsheets. Conditional formatting, color-coded, miles, age, distance, price. It's a work of art, I will be honest. And it's been very helpful. Like, it has helped us buy a new car, which is amazing. However, and it's a silly example, but my word, how much energy have I put into that? What have I missed in the process? And we're all going to have that in our lives where it might be when we ask the big questions of like, what's going on? Like, what's our social status? What's going on at work? Like, what's in those moments where we end up being distracted? Because as we're distracted, our eyes are taken off God and they point towards us. And then we miss what God might be trying to say to us. We miss what God, what God might want to be doing in us and through us. I know it's a silly example, but I know we all face these questions. And by asking these questions, it will help reveal things of the heart. You know, as you process, as you act, as you say to God, help me, your heart will change. And so too will your perspective. We're we're almost... At the end, um, so I'm going to invite the band up at this moment. But he says, we look back at, at the Psalms. Now, let me get my Bible out. So Psalms is about there in my Bible, about halfway through. And we see these incredible moments of praise. Where God, you are awesome. God, there is none like you. But actually what the psalmist didn't know was what was to come. So we get to hold the whole volume of scripture. Where we get to see what Jesus has done. You see, we know that God sent his son to earth, innocent and blameless as a baby, to walk the earth. And as he walked, he he set people free, he healed people, he taught with a, a whole new authority that no one had ever done. And then in doing that, he showed people love and he gathered a following and then he was sentenced to death, death on a cross because the Romans didn't like what he was doing. And as he was hung up 
on that cross, He died. But three days later, He rose again. He beat death. Death couldn't hold Him back. And the reason He did this was because He loves you. And He loves you. And He loves you. And He loves all you watching at home as well. And He loves you so much. He wanted to take all the sin, all the wrong in your life so you could be free. And you could have eternity with Him. We love you, God, and we thank you. And just finally, have we got any sailors in the room? And when I mean sailors, I'm not talking about like your dinghy at the beach. I'm talking like ocean liners. Good. I can now speak with confidence what Google has told me. <laughs> Queen Mary II the boat, not the Queen, there's a picture that's gonna come up on the screen. It's a transatlantic ocean liner, over 300 meters long, 150,000 tons, can carry two and a half thousand passengers. It is a work of art, mechanical engineering at its finest. And I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever I get on a boat, I was on a boat the other week, and it wasn't choppy at all, you know, the crew weren't bothered. And I was thinking, if this thing goes over, how am I getting out? I just live with this nervous inclination of boats. Because when the waters rise and it gets thrown from side to side, how am I going to get out? How am I going to get through? Whereas this boat, this boat is designed to go through the storms. This boat has an incredible piece of engineering which sits underneath the water. And it's what they call a roll stabiliser fin. Okay, a bit technical. You probably didn't expect this this morning, but go with me. And it's got four of them. And there's a picture going to come up on the screen. And, and for context, look at the size of the people compared to this thing that's sticking up. And it's 70 tons, two and a half meters wide, six meters long. And as the storm comes, what these roll stabilizer fins do is they can be activated and within 30 seconds they're fully extended. And what that means is it means the ship can now continue to navigate its way through the storms. They say it reduces the roll by 90%. See, what that means, it doesn't mean the storm disappears. What it actually means is the boat can continue to its destination. The boat can continue to where it's meant to go. And I think there's something in that for us. You know, as we look at this psalm today, Psalm 86, we consider what it looks like to have a steadfast spirit. I think what God wants to do is He wants to say, look, I'm your roll stabilizer fin. I'm with you. I'm on your side. And the way you're going to be strengthened, the way you're going to be able to take on the storms which we know are coming, we've discussed this, is by fixing our eyes on God. It's by having an undivided heart that is united with Him. What would that look like for us as a church, as a community of believers? What would it look like in our world if we had that undivided heart? It excites me. It encourages me. It strengthens me. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.